You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast. You're on the Hockey Podcast Network. A reminder, sign up for DraftKings today, and when you do so, use promo code THPN. When you join, it helps you out with football, hockey, basketball's on the way. You got baseball, UFC, golf, everything you want to do with Daily Fantasy Sports. DraftKings is the way to do it. And I'll tell you a little bit more about what's going on with DraftKings later on in the show. And it should be a lot of fun today. We've got a couple guests on the show that you've heard from before. We're going to be joined by Dean Millard later on, someone who I worked with for a bunch of years on TSN 1260. He did the pre- and post-game shows, and now just a fan. But more than just a fan, someone who can give a little more insight than that. So we'll talk to Dino later on in the podcast, of course. The Edmonton Oilers just days away from kicking off the regular season. One more preseason game up against the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday night. It's a 7 o'clock Mountain Time puck drop if you need some pre-game coverage. TSN 1260 as you covered. Matt Cassian, Tom Gazzola, and myself will be there 6 o'clock on Saturday. Speaking of TSN 1260 and Matt's Matt Awanek joins me now to talk about those Edmonton Oilers. Matthew, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I always love coming on Talk Some Oilers with you. Could you tell that I almost said your name? Yes. Yep. Yes, I started smiling because <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not on that. And you got my... Hey, if I'm going to be confused with Matt Cassian, I love it. Yeah. That's an upgrade for me and a downgrade for him. Typically, I would say the host name first, but I just like started spewing out Matt and then I just rolled with it. It is Matt Cassie and it's Tom Gazzola. That's on Saturday. We'll worry about that later. Well, what's great too is he's like, he's on for a segment. He's not on for the whole show. It's you yeah. and Tommy there on for the whole show. So I don't know how you didn't start with Tom and then get to Matt. And, well, I mean, I, I, guess I guess I base it off, you know, who's played the most games in the NHL. And that would be Matt Cassian. Not a knock on Tom Gazzola or myself, but, you know, we've never laced him up at the professional ranks. So, so Matt Cassian, former NHLer, along with Tom Gazzola and myself, Saturday, six o'clock. Oilers and Canucks, the final preseason game. Uh, well, why don't we just start with that one, Matty? Going into this game, uh, we don't know exactly who would be playing. And, uh, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast on Sunday, then I guess you just disregard this whole conversation. <laughs> but No, no, no. Listen in and see how accurate we were. No, don't just skip ahead. Who would you be putting out there on the ice uh, in Vancouver on Saturday night? you got to expect that the Canucks will probably go with a, a veteran lineup trying to get ready for the home opener or the season opener next Wednesday. But if you're Dave Tippett, you're Ken Holland. Who do you want out there? Who do you want to see more from? Uh, well, obviously, you still got a little bit of a battle going in the bottom six, and more specifically on that fourth line. And uh, I would, you know, I'll, I'll just start with at the top. I would not want to see Connor McDavid. I would not want to see Leon Draisaitl. I might as well take out Jesse Puljujarvi uh, from this equation. We know what. Connor McDavid can do with Puljujarvi and with Leon. I think we what we've seen so far, and we're, I don't think there's any worry that Zach Hyman with Connor McDavid is a big deal. But if you're Dave Tippett, I think you want to know: Can you have a second line that does not feature one of Connor McDavid or Leon Drysaddle on it? And you want to go into this game? I think checking that out. So I would want Ryan Nugent Hopkins with Zach Hyman and probably Kyler Yamamoto or maybe that's where you put a Yessi Pugliarvi there just to see what he can do. But I want to see that line together a little bit more if I'm Dave Tipp because in the season if you want to put Dreisaitl with McDavid together and they're just such an unbelievable duo, you want the only way you can do that is if you have a strong second line. And so I would be playing that line to see is that is that chemistry there, especially with Nuge and Zach Hyman. I'm not risking Connor McDavid. I'm not risking Leon Dreisaitl in a useless preseason game. They'll be ready for the regular season. I don't care if they want to play or not. No, 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 they're done. 
to me, we'll see you on Wednesday for the home and season opener. Um, but then it's also, you still, what's going to happen with Zach Cassian now? That, that really changed, I think, a lot of the top nine for everyone looking at it because he was going to be the third right winger on that third line. And with him out and for how long, who takes that spot? And, and Yamamoto exactly hasn't had a great preseason or anything to really deserve uh, well, it's not like a, a position where he's earned the right to be on that second line on the right side. He's just now still just there, I think, a little bit by default. So if I'm Dave Tippett, I, I want to see what I can get more of from that right side and the bottom pairing or a bottom line to the forward group. Uh, overall, outside of that, defensively, I think you know what you got. I think you're happy with what you have. I would not play my top two. I would take Nurse and Barry. Same thing with Leon and Connor. Not risking them in a preseason game. Uh, put Keith Cece on that top. Stick with Cuckoo and Bouchard and see what Lagason and Russell can do is they'll be your extra defenseman moving forward. And I would start Miko Koskinen just because, again, I'm not risking Mike Smith for that preseason game. So I would rest a few guys, but really all you're looking at still is... The third line just being, or fourth line, I should say, being comfortable with what you're going to go with if you're Dave Tippett and who might replace Zach Cassian on that third line. And is there that chemistry between Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman? Yeah, Matt. And when, I mean, you look at this, the score sheet from uh, Thursday night and McDavid and Dreisaitl, goal and an assist each. Like they're ready to go. So I agree with you. And, and you know, the, the Cassian thing, like that's kind of just that reminder that, hey, things can happen. Mm-hmm. Do we really need to even risk it in a preseason game? So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Now, when you when you talk about the potential of pairing up McDavid and Dreisaitl, um, that was something I threw out there, you know, as a Facebook question on the Jason Greger Show Facebook page. How often do you want to see that? Like, I know some people say only on special teams. There's some people that say, you know, at the end of a penalty kill, if you can get those two guys out there for a mismatch, that's great. Uh, you know, case of emergency, that's one thing. But how often do you look at that pairing and say, we can put those guys out there together? Well, that's a good question in the sense of you want two lines if you're the Edmonton Oilers. Plain and simple. That's why Zach Hyman was brought in, was in a sense to give Connor McDavid a winger. So to start, I, I think that's how it might probably go with Hyman on his wing and dry settle with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And if you have two great lines going, teams have to decide, are you going to stop Connor McDavid and are you going to stop Leon dry settle? But that said, when McDavid and Leon are together, it's unbelievable. Over the last few seasons, I was talking with Tyler Yeramchuk, a friend of ours, and now with uh, Daily Faceoff, and he did the numbers over the last few years. The two of them combined have over 600 points together. The next duo in hockey is... Brad Marchand and um, Pasternak in Boston, and they were at like 480. Like there was no one in the 500 point. Like they're a duo that is just so much stronger than everyone else that you have to look at other teams' trios to challenge Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle as a duo. So if you had the ability, like if we saw Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman be a strong second line that goes out there and can produce. Then I'm sticking with the top two guys together because man, that, that's just, how do you stop that? You can't as long as that second line can produce, but that's the question mark. Can they produce together? And I don't know when we'll fully go get to see that. I think so to start, if you're going with Connor and Leon at center, you're doing, you're putting them together late in games. If you're down going into the third period or something, you need a little spark or you're down a goal, you put them together. As to starting a game with them, I think you would need to see some sort of streak where the top line or the second line or a combination of both lines have gone a little cold over a few games and you're looking to spark the team a little bit more. You put Connor and Leon back together and get going. Um, but it kind of really all depends on 
What does Ryan Nugent Hopkins do with Zach Hyman and whoever on a second line? Because if that can be a productive and a strong second line, it actually gives Dave Tippett the ability to go more to Connor and Leon, and how deadly is that? Would you ever think of, like, you know, so let's just say that's the situation. Uh, you're down in a game. You put McDavid and Drysaddle together mm-hmm. on the right side. Maybe you don't go Yessi Pugliarvi. Maybe it is Kyler Yamamoto. And then that second line, Hyman, Nuge, with Yessi Pugliarvi, mm-hmm. gives them a bit of a bigger body out there. Obviously, you got Hyman, whose uh, <laughs> puck retrieval skills are outstanding. Like, to me, it, Dave Tippett has a little more versatility in that top six, top nine, that he can just kind of try to combinations and you know maybe take a little bit off that top line but geez jp on the second line could be a huge addition for those guys well that's the thing connor and lean are so good together it's almost okay it doesn't matter who's who's on that first line with those two if they have are together that spread the wealth a little bit more if kyle yamamoto is not producing as well okay put him on that top he's still going to be productive in a sense especially if he's connor and lean and put that better player and really build a stronger second line as opposed to completely throwing your eggs in one basket people will want to say that's the problem with having connor and lean together it's every you're just loading up one spot but if you move jesse to a second well then you're not fully loading up you're helping and balancing out all your talent across the board but you're right on the versatility it was it was one of the reasons i love ryan nugent hopkins with this team and why i wanted them to resign him was you you got a guy who could play wing but he could also play center and with that you could move him around in the top six and even if you if you get enough wingers you could throw him as a center on the third line because you have leon who could be a center and connor as a center now when you add Zach Hyman to the mix is a strong winger who could move around on those top two lines. And then, yes, he was the way he played last year and the fact that he could move him around. It does give Dave Tippett the ability to move a whole bunch of things around in those top six. And no matter what combination you like to think, it's going to be very effective for the Edmonton Oilers. It could get as scary as Connor with Leon together and having the deadliest duo in hockey together. Or it could just be, you know... Zach Hyman with Connor McDavid and how good they could do with Jesse Pugliarvi. And then Leon Dreisettle, who's one of the top five players in the game, playing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And if Nuge could find his five-on-five game a little better this year, man, it, it's it's just so deadly. And I don't know how you stop that if your other teams. The Oilers have, are, you know, you could put their forward group, especially their top six against anyone in this league. And they're in competition for the top of the league. It's because you're starting with Connor and Leon. When you talk about the team's bottom six, and I mean that that's going to be an area that that gets uh, a lot of attention. I think just because of last year, you know, it wasn't as good as it could have been, and that was obviously a focal point with Derek Ryan and Warren Fogle. If you had to do up your dream bottom six, and uh, we'll, we'll take away the obvious names like the the, the skill players who aren't going to be in the bottom six, what would it look like for you going into the opener on Wednesday? So now there's no Zach Cassian either in that one. So you're going to have Derek Ryan with Fogle on your third pair. Oh boy, now you got to start looking at that fourth line and you'll have Perlini there. I think you'll have Devin Shore there. And then Kyle Turris has played rather well, I think, this preseason. So, you know, you'd have, where would you slot him? And it's the Zach Cassian really changes a lot of this stuff because... I think that was a really strong third line, and I think through preseason, obviously, Dave Tippett really liked it because he didn't try playing around with it in any way, shape, or form. He just stuck with those three guys being together in a large part. I know at the beginning, you know, he he didn't have Derek Ryan with them for a bit, you know, when the splitting, but that was early, early preseason. But you knew they were going together, and the way they practice, uh, practices, they were together. Um, I really just, I don't know what I would want with, as a replacement for, for Zach Kaz. And that's the part that concerns me. But a fourth line, I would look at maybe Shore, Perlini as Taurus would be the, the way I would go with it. I just then don't know who draws in on that third. Is that, you, now you sign Colton Sevier and you put him there? Is that the way you go with it? Uh, like, I, I don't think Benson has done anything this preseason 
to really earn anything. I don't believe uh, Ryan McLeod has shown himself is that everyday NHLer right now. And the fact that he can, doesn't have to clear waivers, I think, makes him a natural uh, fit to being dropped down and sent down to Bakersfield because Benson would have to clear waivers. So I think I'd have to go. It would be the fourth line with Shore, Perolini, and Turris. And then I guess signing Colton Sevier for now with Derek Ryan and Fogel with the f- idea that when Zach Cassin returns, he slots in on that third line. It's funny you talk about Tyler Benson because I know at the start of training camp I hopped on the uh, the Locked On Oilers podcast with Hernan Salas and I, I had him as my fourth line left wing and I was expecting like you know he's got to take that jump eventually why not now uh, twenty three years old kind of I I thought at least right in that prime position to make it and it just didn't seem like it came together and, and he's got to be to me you know unfortunately and try not to be too negative but maybe one of the major disappointments in camp so far like. The, the position was there, and it just doesn't seem like he's going to get it. Uh, is there anyone else that kind of underwhelmed you when it came to camp this year in the preseason? Uh, well, I guess Kyle Yamamoto would be the guy I would have to go with. Now, I, I know banged up, got injured for this last one, didn't play, but earlier on, I I don't think he really did much. And so I would start with Kyler Yamamoto, who came you know late to, to signing with the team. He was there for the whole training camp in the end, but he signed really late, and it's one of those, he came in, penciled in as the second line right winger and he didn't do anything to put his name and pen on that second line the benefit for Kyler Yamamoto is no one behind him really did enough to surpass him that you go wow they gotta absolutely be on that second line in, in alongside potentially Leon Dreisaitl or Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman so he was a bit disappointing um you know, throughout this whole time, didn't we really hear too much of Ryan Nugent Hopkins' name myself either throughout some of these things, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he's a veteran, and I think you'll have it all figured out come opening day on Wednesday against the Vancouver Canucks, but the initial one would be, um, would be Kyler Yamamoto, and, you know, Tyler Benson's the other one. I, I think this is it for him being an Edmonton Oiler. I don't know how he cracks the NHL lineup full term, unless this year with injuries he slides in and, and does extremely well. Uh, there's just so many other guys in the system that I think are now going to surpass him. Uh, but the number one for me would be Kyler Yamamoto. When you look at the Oilers' uh, defense, and I think Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry pretty established. Yep. Evan Bouchard, I think a lot of people are intrigued by, and then the third pairing left defense. I mean, it's kind of up in the air. I guess it depends who you believe in, and and maybe it's a game to game matchup. But I, I just I'm worried about that second pairing of <laughs> Cody CC and Duncan Keith. And uh, you know what? I made the mistake of giving Duncan Keith any little bit of praise on social media. The people came after me, so I'm just going to say if you're well, if you're going to praise Duncan Keith, you have to know why. <laughs> and I was just commenting on game. You know, Cassian went down. He was in there making sure he was okay, and uh, we know the allegations in Chicago, and I just want to say that if, if those come to light and, and we find out that he had a role in that and, and let it slide by, then I hope there's consequences for him, and I, and I hope they're they're swift and heavy. So I'm just going to say for those people out there, if you're going to praise Duncan Keith at all, tread well, lightly. I saw your tweet, though, <laughs> and you. but the thing was, because it's like last week he was being ripped, and I was one of those ripping him for... His comments on the vaccine and stuff and people, you know, going not that's not really full leadership. And you added great leader. (laughs) And it seemed like you're trying to throw some fuel on the fire and you were kind of asking for it. You know what? I got to go to the tweet, actually, because I even said, like, it's a little thing like. You know, he he was in there. He was helping out, you know, and it was just like his instincts took over. Like, 
being a leader on the ice and in the community, I think, can be different things. No, absolutely. And, and I'm not it's trying just, to. But that was like that was a big storyline of, of especially over the last week with Duncan Keith. And when I saw you add that last part, was like great leadership. I was like, oh, Connor. Yeah. I do not want to see your mentions tonight. I said, a guy is a leader without a letter on the sweater or not. <laughs> and yeah, pe- some people didn't like it. And I like, I just had to like reply like as calm as I could because I was typing out and I went back and forth. I'm like, what do you want me to say? And then I'm like, delete, delete, delete. And I'm trying to handle it. I'm just like, hey man, I'm commenting on something on the ice, off the ice, different things. I know he's pissed people off with those comments. The whole Chicago situation is obvious. And I mean, I think we're all on the same page that if there was, obstruction there then there has to be consequences but that that momentary thing i thought okay this guy i think he's going to be respected in the room by the players on the ice off the ice we'll see what happens with it but he and cody cc yeah um how nervous are you for that because man i i I think the the defense this a lot of things could hinge on that pairing yeah and i know a lot of people are worried about that and some people are fine with it like i I didn't have a problem with Duncan Keith coming to the Oilers. I'm, I'm going to take the cap out of him. I'm going to take things out of him. I'm just going to focus on the hockey play. I feel like a second pairing, I think he can do that. I think there's still some play there, and he could be productive to the Edmonton Oilers. But with him and Cody Cece together, I don't know how well they're going to match up together. And even, you know, I had Jeff O'Neill on the show today, and he even throw, you know, the bringing in Keith Cece, that worries a guy like him. And he would have seen a guy, especially like Cody Cece, a little closer. Didn't see him as much, and he even admitted in Pittsburgh. But watch Cody Cece in Ottawa. Watch Cody Cece in Toronto. And had has some concerns about Cody Cece. So um, I didn't watch much of Pittsburgh last year. I, I said it a lot. I didn't watch any of the American games until the playoffs game. I just focused on the North Division. So... I don't have much of a basis on last season with Cody Cece. And with Duncan Keith now and him together, we'll see. And that's the way I'm going to go to it. I'm not going to sit here and say, I think they're going to do fine together. They'll be okay. I'm not going to sit here and say, this is going to be a dumpster fire. Oh boy, the Oilers are tough. I'm going to take it through the first few games of the regular season because I'm, I don't like reading much into preseason. I love that Pirellini has five goals or whatever it is now. And, that's great for him, but we've seen the past where you could have a great preseason. It doesn't translate into the NHL for regular season. And I'll never take the highs being too high. I'll never take the lows being too low. So I'll judge Keith and CeCe through the first five games of the regular season. But going in, that is something I am fo- focusing on and looking at because I am a bit concerned about it. It is one of those situations where you do sit there and you go, ooh, this 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 could be okay. This could go well, but this is, could also go very bad for the Edmonton Oilers. And if your second pairing of the team is that terrible, I don't know how you recover from that. So, um, without question, I, I have a bit of concerns, but I'll take the wait and see approach and see what happens in the regular season for the first few games with that second pairing. That that is one concern. Is there any other concerns for this team? And uh, you're looking at me. I'm thinking goaltending. Yeah. Goaltending. <laughs> here's the thing about goaltending is, look, if Mike Smith plays like he did last season, if Mike Smith produces the way he did last year, there's nothing to worry about. You know, Mike Smith is going to be completely fine, and the Oilers are going to have great goaltending, and they'll be fine this season. The problem is, is Mike Smith is 39. Um, because you're older, you you have a chance at getting injured a little bit more than some younger people. I know anyone could get injured, but you're more susceptible to it, I would think. And he's had some of those issues like groin in the past, so who knows if he's going to be fully healthy. You've got um, 
a new season in a sense. We're back to the 82 where, and full travel as opposed to the series where you're staying in a city, um, as opposed to, you know, just flying in Canada. You're having to make those long road trips. And on top of that, he had his best season in almost a decade. And I don't know how he, how you could expect a 39 year old goalie to produce at that exact same level, which means I believe there will be a bit of a drop off for Mike Smith. How big? I don't know. And I'm not going to sit here and say the wheels are going to completely fall out from under him, but there's going to be a slight drop off. And then the question is, well, can Miko Koskinen step up enough from last year to balance out whatever dropping off you have from Mike Smith? And I am not confident in Miko Koskinen. Um, you know, to him, for, to get, for him to be okay, I, like I, you'd want to get him to 908, 910 save percentage last year with sub nine. Can he do that? I don't know. Uh, but I don't have the confidence in that. And Mike Smith, I think, is going to have a bit of drop-off. And if there's any sort of injury more specifically to Mike Smith, this team's in trouble. So I I said it throughout the summer. I was very disappointed that Ken Holland didn't go and address goaltending and find someone that's two straight summers or off-seasons, I should say, that he didn't do it. And we will see. But very concerned about it because I just don't know how you can go and expecting the 39-year-old goalie to produce the exact same way as he did last year when he hasn't produced that way over since in almost a decade. Yeah, yeah, that goaltending thing, Matt. And, you know, you, you've heard the stories how close the deal with the Coyotes was yep. for Darcy Kemper, and that would have, you know, sent Miko Koskin the other way, and the Avs just had a better prospect they were willing to deal. That 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 would have made, I think, the whole offseason, like, 55 60% stronger. Everyone might have said, like, okay, well, you know, they, they added that major position, they got Darcy Kemper, Maybe that makes it a little bit easier, but can't can't finish it. The big question is: is are, are the Oilers? Do you see the Oilers winning a Stanley Cup with Mike Smith in net? You know how many teams win a goalie with you know like that? You have to look at the history of goalies winning the Stanley Cups. Can you see Mike Smith at thirty nine being a guy that's lifting the Stanley Cup with the Edmonton Oilers? That's the question I would throw to everyone. Not just like not you necessarily right now, but everyone. Like, are you that confident of Mike Smith winning the Stanley Cup? And I don't think anyone could be that confident. So when you have this whole win-now mentality, but then you stick with this goaltending, it's more, yeah, we're going to try to win now, but it's two years from now we're going to try again because that's when the cap will open up a little bit more for the Oilers. Yeah, And that's when they can go spend real money, and either Skinner or Konovalov will be the guy taking over the net, or they can go spend and get the other uh, a legit starting goalie somewhere else. But that means you're waiting two years for that. I, it's And that's... That's the concern you're going to have to have. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing I say, like, hey, if this was a Disney movie, maybe that'd be the perfect ending for Mike Smith and everything. But in reality, it seems like that's a little bit tougher. I know a couple of years ago with the Flames, uh, did they get swept in the first round? But he was, like, playing very good hockey. He had a terrible season of a moment. Yeah. It just was terrible in the regular season. But he saved their behinds in the playoffs, yeah. even though they lost. He was the only good thing that they had. So it's like, you know... In the back of my mind, I've always thought, okay, this guy's extremely streaky. If he got on a streak, maybe he could be the guy. But that would be after an 82-game season. Like It, it just seems very unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other strong teams in the West. Yeah, I, I like what you say there. You're in win-now mode, but do you have the goalie to really do it? I don't think so. Matthew, thanks for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Anytime. Look forward to the start of the season. There you go. That is Matthew Wanick of TSN 1260. You can hear him. He's Filling in for Dave Jameson right now on the Dave Jameson Show, Monday through Friday from noon until 2 on TSN 1260. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter, at Matthew Awanek. Still to come on the Other Connor Podcast today, we're going to talk to a good friend of mine, someone I used to work with at TSN 1260, Dean Millard.
Hockey is back and DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a goal, doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deflection. However, they light up the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available yet in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any hockey game and win a 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back here on the Other Connor Podcast, here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name's Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. And now we're going to get to a conversation with a good friend of mine, Dean Millard. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at Duck Millard. Of course, a longtime member of the Edmonton sports media scene with Global Sports and TSN 1260. Now, Podcast Alley is where you can find the podcast. He's also the head of baseball operations for UFF Sports and the Ultimate Fantasy Baseball Commissioner Dino, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? I am outstanding, Connor. It is uh, truly the greatest time of the year when you know we're almost there and all four sports are colliding. And today, today is is one of the greatest days in baseball fans because four games of the playoffs are today, and so. It is one of those amazing days. You know, like, I know you're a huge football fan, and hockey fans have their Saturday nights, uh, and you get crazy with the playoffs. But, you know, baseball plays every day, so you kind of get, like, lulled into it. And then you get to the playoffs, and it's awesome. So to have every sport going almost right now, and even the other two in the preseason, it's awesome. It's the best time. It's my favorite time of the year. Oh, I, I love the divisional series in baseball, just because, you know, you get the afternoon games. So I'm at work kind of tracking it along. You know when you get home there's going to be baseball in at night, hockey, like, yeah, it's a great time in sport, and uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, they'll be kicking off their regular season on Wednesday, taking on the Vancouver Canucks, a team that will actually be playing Saturday as well, uh, pregame coverage on TSN 1260 starting at 6. Do you know, eight preseason games this year, uh, when you look at the preseason in the NHL, and we've already seen it in the NFL, where uh, they went from four games to three games, added more to the regular season, I don't know if the NHL would get to the point where they added more regular season games, but would you be okay with less preseason? Um, let me think about that. Uh, this is going to take me no time at all to <laughs> say I am okay with more with less preseason in every single sport. You and I have had this argument and discussion when I was on the radio with you. Is that I could you know NFL preseason drives me crazy because. Three quarters of the guys you're you're not going to see again, and you know unless you're watching the CFL, a lot of guys come up here. But I don't like preseason. I think the players like it even less. Uh, I'm not saying you should have none, but you should cut your preseason in half. Um, you know, I, 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 some sports you need to to have a longer um, sort of training camp and and things like that. Uh, because guys need to get into shape. Uh, you know, sometimes you're dealing with uh, real thoroughbreds as athletes and they can't just jump into it. I get that. But less preseason, 
is better, I think, for everybody. Um, coaches are always talking about more practice time. So how about this, Connor? How about you take six preseason games and then you have the other two days at the end of those preseason games for practice, as Allen <laughs> Iverson would say. Coaches then finally get a couple of days of practice to get ready for the season. So even take three games or even four games. I don't care. Um, Connor McDavid doesn't need the preseason games. He just needs to, to get going. There are guys like, you know, uh, Benson, McLeod, who we're going to probably talk about, that do need some preseason games. But I would be in favor of less preseason games and giving the finished product, your final roster, more practice time together as far as training camp. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you. And, you know, giving the guys a, a couple more light days, you know, just not the mm-hmm. intensity of a game, the... Uh, the chance of injury. I mean, we saw Zach Cassian go down last night in his fight. Uh, looked like he, he hit his head on the ice. And positive news, coaching staff says, you know, he's in good spirits, which hard to say exactly what that means coming off a, a potential concussion or, you know, a head injury. What do you think about Zach Cassian? I mean, we've seen him fight last season. He hurt his hand. Uh, this year, there's there's this incident to start things off already. I guess going back to last year, even with Dujar Kara, kind of some scary stuff right now. Uh, are, are you talking to him about, hey, maybe hold off on the fighting in these certain situations? Like, if you got to do it, you got to do it, but maybe pick your spots. Um, yeah, I, I think that's uh, that is definitely something that you can try to tell and talk to Zach Cassian about, but that's like trying to sometimes tell a thoroughbred not to run. I mean, it's kind of Zach Cassian. If you're telling Zach Cassian to be careful, is Zach Cassian as effective as a player? Now, if you're telling Zach Cassian he should be careful because you're worried about his health, then maybe maybe then it's time to look at the, you know the career. Guys should never be asked to be put in or, or, or asked to be in a situation where their health is in danger. And if, if there's somebody out there or the team ever thought, geez, maybe Zach Cassian's not right, then he shouldn't be playing. But if Zach Cassian is going to play, it's hard to, it's hard, probably hard for that guy to go at 75%. And, and picking your spots is not something that a guy that plays on emotion in that situation, you know, I, I just don't know how effective he would be. So, I want to be really careful with Zach Cassian because injuries and, you know, you work with a guy, Jason Strudwick, who did that tough, tough job. Uh, and, you know, thankfully, Struddy is, is great and he's healthy. Uh, but, you know, we've seen other guys that aren't. So I want to be really careful with Zach Cassian, especially with when you're cracking your head on the ice. Um, you know, it, it comes as a result of a fight. But, you know, we saw it with Jujar Kyra, as you mentioned. So, you, you need to be really, really careful and make sure that these guys are okay, A-OK, before they go back in. But I don't know, Zach Cassian, a careful Zach Cassian, is that as effective? Well, when you're talking about the actual player and, and on the ice, if he is healthy, it, can he pick his spots? Can you, can you play that way as a player? Well, and I, you know, I was going to just relate it to something that I know I think you and I, well, I don't know if I know. I had the conversation with somebody in my lifetime. It was probably you talking about Michael Riley when he played for Edmonton as the team's quarterback. And right. people would say like, yeah, he's got to be more cautious. He can't take hits. And I would say, I don't think you can tell him to play that way. Like he, that's what he does. He's going to buy time in the pocket. He's going to run the yeah. ball. He's going to take those hits. And yeah, I mean, I guess I'm kind of contradicting myself because at first I thought maybe there's got to be the conversation with Cassie and like, yeah, you can, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. We can't tell you not to, but 
maybe pick your spots. Preseason game, you've got nothing to prove to McEwen. Like, sure. it, it doesn't have to happen in this game. Why risk yeah. it? It, it yeah. can still happen. And he, like you said, I mean, he's an emotional player, right? That, that, that kind of stuff's going to happen eventually. But, uh, yeah, I, I just wonder, you know, in the preseason, was it worth it at the end of the day? Probably not. We hope he escapes yeah. without a major injury. But, uh, yeah, that was... That's a good point, yeah. It, it was well, scary you know, at the start. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's honestly, I mean, I'm sure he's been in this spot many times in his career where someone maybe just breaking into the league kind of goes after him in the preseason and he shrugs it off and this time decided not to. And it was you know, almost worst-case scenario with a head injury. Hopefully he's okay and we'll see him out there on Wednesday. But, uh, yeah, it, it's something I, I kind of think about. Like, if, if you could try to pull him back just a little bit there. Um, do you know someone else for the Edmonton Oilers who suffered a little bit of injury? Uh, Kyler Yamamoto. He's been cleared to play. It looks like he'll play Saturday night when the Oilers take on the Vancouver Canucks. Kind of an interesting offseason for Kyler. Holds out for a long time. Eventually does sign that one-year deal. Returns to the team. And a lot of people kind of wondering what's going to happen with Kyrie Yamamoto. When you look at him, do you pencil him in on that second line with Ryan Eugen Hopkins and Leon Dreisaitl? And if so, how long is the leash? Like at, at a certain point, does he have to produce five on five to keep that position? Yes. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that it's it's not a gift position. It's an opportunity uh, position. And uh, I would like to see that line start together. I mean, you know, I think that most Oiler fans um, and and kind of observers and and those in the media, sort of like when Zach Hyman was acquired, you're like, okay, now you've got McDavid Hyman and Poliarvi seemed to work a little bit with uh, McDavid last year, and then you you have that line that had so much chemistry, and then for some reason, wasn't this back together for you know over over a year? So I think you you it'd be great to start that now. I think with guys like Nugent Hopkins and Hyman, you can move them anywhere. You can literally move them anywhere in your lineup. But I think it'd be great to start the lineup with those two lines uh, together, and just like you can move McDavid and Drysaitel together at, at some point if you if you need to. You know, like the old uh, in case of emergency, break glass and put these two guys together. So I think it's I think that I would like to see that line start together, and I think that also. Uh, gives Kyler Yamamoto an opportunity to say, for him to say, okay, this is where I was at one point. I'm going to get back to that level. And if he doesn't, then you look at other guys. But that's the way I would start it if, if I was uh, uh, had a voice in Dave Tippett's uh, ear. Yeah, and I mean, he's such an intriguing player to me because even if he doesn't score five on five, I feel like he does a lot of the little things very well. I mean, he draws penalties. He's occasionally going to take some, but he's just got to be a thorn in the side because he, he's relentless. Uh, some people call him the honey badger. I don't like to call him that, Dino, because I think it's just a blatant ripoff of, uh, Tyron Matthew with the Kansas City but Chiefs, you, you know? You hate, you hate Nick, like you hate Johnny Hockey's nickname. A terrible because nickname. Johnny Mantell has. Like, <laughs> you are the hardest guy I know when it comes to nicknames and people talking about no hitters and shutouts. I mean, you're just really against that. But, the one thing I will quickly say, in all seriousness, Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins do have to score more five on five. I, I, you know, if you're going to play in the top six, you need to produce more five on five. He does do a lot of those things right, as you're as you pointed out, but they do need to produce five on five. 
in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And, but the, I like what you also said. Like They have versatility, right? They could be moved yeah. in or around the lineup. They're going to contribute in some way, even if it isn't 5-on-5 five five scoring. But if you're going to get that top minutes and play with a guy like McDavid or Dreisaitl, I mean, eventually you just got to produce. Or you got to find somebody who will. The nickname thing, I, I, yeah, I'm still against it, Dino. Like I, that, I, I love originality when it comes to nicknames. So hockey player yeah. nicknames to me are just always the worst. Like, Remember there was a time when we had like the great one and the finished flash and uh the Boolin wall there there was a time when there was really good nicknames in hockey and then all of a sudden it got lazy and we just like I don't know what you'd be well actually you you were duck right yeah, my nickname is a little creative it's, so, it's, but that's because of my last name yeah most people's nicknames are like smitty <laughs> or strutty right it's just strutty. A ER or a or a y uh but you know there's legendary nicknames in sports it's just uh there, there, there's there's full of them, and somewhere along the way, you're right. Nicknames did get a little bit lazy. Johnny Football, great nickname. Honey Badger, great nickname. But then when you when you get lazy and just use it for another person, I think it's late. Like I, I said it on the time. Like I, I don't go by Connie Radio or anything like that. Like it just be a ripoff. I want to do something new and and uh, a little more creative. So I uh, just want to get that one out of the way. Now, Dino, I want to ask you about Brendan Perlini because obviously you and Gee Flaming for a long time were hosts of the Pipeline Show. Uh, you and Craig Button. I mean, you guys are still locked in on the prospects, but. When Brendan Perlini came into the league, I mean, highly touted, big guy that could skate, could put goals in, uh, started off okay with the, the Arizona Cardinals, or Coyotes back in the day. Uh, football's on my mind now, obviously. Uh-huh. He, he disappeared out of the league, and he comes back, he's got five goals in the preseason, looks like he's more confident out there. When you look at Brendan Perlini, and, and Ken Holland made the signing in the offseason, what were your thoughts on it, and what do you think he can contribute once we get to the regular season? Well, the, the things, first of all, I, I like and I liked about uh, Brendan Perlini when, as, as you mentioned, Guy and I were uh, doing the show and, and he was playing for uh, in the OHL for Niagara most of the time, was he's big and he is uh, he's mobile. Uh, you know, he also uh, represented Canada very nicely in uh, World Juniors as well. But this is a guy, you know, this happens so often in, you know, I don't want to just use hockey, but in all sports, this guy was a mid-round first uh, first round pick. Uh, I think he was like 14th or 13th overall or something like that. And just never really found any traction after his first couple of years. You know, he had a, a, a double-digit goal season in, in Arizona and then couldn't follow it up in, in other places. And then what does he do? He falls behind, and then he's going to need a new contract, and so he's not um, as attractive uh, for, for some teams because they're looking at different players. But this is a guy who's only 25 years old, Connor. So I think, you know, like, I think there's an opportunity here, and, and I, I, great preseason is, is, is one thing. That's fine. I would be more interested, and I'm not at the rink uh, anymore. I'd be more interested in just seeing um, how this guy is in, every day, fitting in with the lineup and in, in, in practice. And and you know, obviously, you're looking at games, but we know preseason lineups are watered down at the beginning. So I almost don't even like looking at the first half of the preseason as much as I hate it. So I I think there's an opportunity here for Brandon Perlini to be a guy who, you know, might start out on the on the outside and then work his way into the fourth line or might start on the fourth line or work his way in the third line. But he's a guy who has size. He obviously has some skill. He had some 30-goal uh, seasons in junior. 
I think this is a good, uh, no-risk move by the Edmonton Oilers. A guy who, as you mentioned, was out of the NHL last year. How? Who, who would be more motivated than Brendan Perlini this year? Oh, nobody. And, that, and that's, to me, why I like the deal. And, uh, you know, I had some Detroit Red Wings beat reporters on this show a couple months ago talking about Perlini. And, you know, it wasn't good reviews. It was like, you know, it wasn't that he was snake bit, and he just wasn't creating opportunities goes over to Europe, maybe finds that confidence where he's counted on, plays a little bit more minutes, and comes back here rejuvenated and motivated. And that's the biggest thing for me. Like, he doesn't want to be on that bus in Bakersfield, right? He wants to find a way to stay up with the Oilers, be in the NHL, stay in the nice hotels, private jets, all that sort of thing. So I think, I mean, motivation to me is the, the greatest factor there is. He, he doesn't want to be out of the league. This is his opportunity to do so. And if they get the player, like, half of what he was expected to be when he was drafted... That's guy who's going to be in your lineup and contribute. So he's someone that I'm really looking forward to watching. And I like what you say there. Like, I wonder how he is around the team. Like, he could almost be someone that young players can look at and just say, like, you can be out of the NHL very quickly here if you don't yeah. if you don't play well. And and he's a living example of it right there. Yeah, he's been he's been a goal scorer. Like he's scored goals. Um, but, you know, I'm almost at every level. Obviously in Detroit, he didn't score enough, and that's why he was out. But uh, Pretty much everywhere else, he has been able to put the puck in the net. Um, so you know that's you know your 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 bottom six guys first and foremost. They can't kill momentum and they can't make mistakes, but they also have to chip in every once in a while. You know you don't you're not you don't have a lot of thirty goal scorers in your bottom six, but it'd be nice to have a few double digit goal scorers in your bottom six that are contributing. This is a player who has that potential if he can keep his uh, his little run going here that he's got. In training camp in the preseason, Dino, uh, you're no longer doing the the Oilers peer and post game shows with me, and, and that's a good thing because I mean those late nights we we've talked about that post game pre was good, but post game can be a struggle at times. Now you've moved on. You're working with UFF Sports. You're the head of baseball operations. You are the ultimate fantasy league baseball commissioner. What is happening with UFF Sports right now? Oh my God! Everything is is happening. I mean, you know, you, you listen. I brought you on board. Uh, is it this? You're a football scout now for <laughs> uh, Trisha's high level scouting, so we know we're uh, counting on you to find uh, future studs in football. So, uh, speaking of that, the football, of course, is in week five. So we've got a lot of stuff going on with UFAFL. They also have their Legends League auction coming up. Yeah, we're not just about the current leagues. We're going to have Legends League. And Andy McNamara, who you know from uh, being the radio business, has that stuff rolling. Jamie Thomas is involved in that as well. Uh, Max is their commissioner. So that's uh, 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 stuff that's blowing up. Basketball auctions just happened. That draft is going on. So we also have basketball. That is going to be amazing for teams that want to get into a really unique fantasy basketball. Well, you can get in because franchises are always for sale. Uh, but that draft is happening. And then hockey, we're going into our third season when the NHL starts. So all that. And then on top of that, you mentioned it. Yeah, I've got the baseball going. I'm so excited. November 5th to 7th is our franchise auctions. And, Connor, I, you, you know a little bit about how this works and how realistic it is. Like We have 30 teams in our fantasy league. Every team that ha- – every league that we have mirrors – the league it's based on. So Major League Baseball has 30 teams. We have 30 teams. We have 26-man rosters. So there'll be a 26-man draft. There was a 53-man draft in football. 
guys, like you ask Dustin Nielsen, who you work with at that station, what that draft was like, it'll sound like he's telling a war story after he gets <laughs> finished with it. It's it's so realistic and so high level, it's, it's unbelievable. So baseball is going to refl- reveal or um, equal almost everything about Major League Baseball from a full season and then playoffs. We have a playoff draft, so you make sure you restock your team. We'll have wild card games. Everything you think of when it comes to running a Major League Baseball team will happen with Ultimate Fantasy League Baseball. So if anybody wants information, just send an email to infoufflb at gmail.com. We will get it all out to you. Infoufflb at gmail.com. A rule book will be ready shortly. And I can't stress this enough. This is not your ordinary fantasy league. This is high stakes. This is high reward. This is a lot of work. You need to be a professional fantasy dude because that's what we are. We are professional fantasy. So it's amazing. I can't wait for it to happen. I can't wait to see the great people that are going to be involved in it. Um, I can't wait to see the prospects on the football side that you're going to bring to high-level scouting. Um, it, it's amazing. And we didn't even touch on, on much of the scouting, which you're doing in football, but we have a full scouting platform in baseball and hockey and every sport. So the future of fantasy is UFFS, and it's the evolution of fantasy sports, man. And it's it's blowing up everywhere. So I can't wait for people to get involved. And if they want more information, because you have to be registered to bid on a franchise, uh, and they start at $2,500 U.S., so that's the minimum purchase. Uh, and you want to get in and you want to get it, uh, you can email me. And once you bid on a franchise, Connor, that's your draft position as well. So if you want the highest pick and you want to take Shohei Otani, you are bidding uh, for the to- top spot. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, I know you're enjoying it as a scout, and uh, I know Dusty's enjoying it on the football side. So it's crazy. It's awesome. And uh, I never thought I would, uh, you know, be, be working in the fantasy world. It, it was always a fantasy that I could work in fantasy sports. And now that's become a reality with UFFF. You know what, you know, I think the easiest way is to just go to your Twitter pro- profile at Duck Millard. Because you've got the links. You've got at UFF Sports there, at UFLB. You've got UFFSports.com. And I'm sure there, if people were to message you, you'd probably be able to hook them up there as well, correct? You bet. You betcha. <laughs> uh, that is exactly right. All the information can be found there as well. Dino, thank you so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Anytime, my man. Have a great weekend. Enjoy uh, this time of the year. And I'm even forgiving you for what happened last week in football. Excellent stuff from Dean Mollard, the head of baseball operations with UFF Sports. He's the Ultimate Fantasy League Baseball Commissioner, Podcast Alley. For a member of the Edmonton Sports Media scene, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at Duck Millard. Really appreciate Dino hopping on this edition of the Other Connor Podcast today. And as we've mentioned, the Edmonton Oilers back in action on Saturday out in Vancouver. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop mountain time. If you're looking for some pregame coverage, Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself will have you covered on TSN 1260. And we're only a few days from the NHL's regular season getting going. Oilers taking on the Canucks once again. We'll see what happens with Zach Cassian if the old bump on his head goes down a little more and if he's good to go. But like you, I cannot wait to get this going and the uh, 2020 
one 2022 NHL season is going to be a lot of fun. Of course, we've got the Olympic break in there. Connor McDavid's going to be going to the games, probably wearing a letter on his jersey. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be an absolutely awesome year. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Quickly, big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. Once again, if you're going to sign up, make sure to use promo code THPN when you do so. My name's Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. We'll talk to you next time when we set up the opening game, Oilers Canucks. Take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.